Together we can love our bodies again Here on the gray scale Hi! Hi. Hello. We're here. We're on. Thanks for tuning back in, guys. I'm Sia. And I'm Chrissy. And we couldn't be more excited to introduce our guests for this week. But first, don't forget to rate, review, subscribe, follow, like, share, all of that. And pop on over to the grayscale underscore body on Instagram for some brand new content. We promise we'll start posting there more. Yeah, it's not there yet, but it will be at some point. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And now we want to introduce our guest to you guys, Shelby Sola. Hi. I'm so happy to be here. Yay! We're so excited to have you. So we'll start off um, by having you tell us a little bit about yourself. Yes. So my name is Shelby and I am a playwright in Brooklyn. Um, I've been somewhat in the plus size style space for a few years now. Um, I have my own Instagram where I post style and body fat liberation type content. Um, and for a little bit, I did some plus size fit modeling for the company Gwinnie B. Um, yeah, so that's a little bit about my background. Love it. Amazing. Um, oh, I should tell myself if I'm going to mess up the Instagram. Yes. Shelby Plus. Okay, now that's out of the way. Yes, at Shelby Plus. Um, it'll be tagged on our Instagram. So just another amazing reason to pop over there. Yes. <laughs> so yes, we're going to tag it. We'll, pl- we'll plug everything. Yes. Um, so amazing. So Shelby, we'll get started with um, a little bit of questions for you. Yeah. So would you, could you rather talk a little bit more about your relationship with your body? Yeah, I, I see my relationship with my body as being very fluid. And I feel like um, if I can have a neutral relationship with my body as much as possible, then that's a goal that I would want to achieve more than feeling like constantly amazing. Like that's a pretty unrealistic expectation. Um, but since I would say starting freshman year of college, I started actively seeking out like the plus size community on Instagram because at that point, I think I was like a size 16 and I just needed to feel like I existed and I needed to feel affirmed. Um, so starting then was when I was like really seeking out representation, um, and like needed that validation. And over the years, it's definitely changed a lot. My body has changed a lot over the years. Um, and I just, yeah, I'm trying, I'm striving for neutrality. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Same. I mean, we, we've talked about like body neutrality before and I, I agree like there, it's so unrealistic to have like the idea of, oh, I'm, I'm amazing. And I love myself and my body every single day and to just have a neutral opinion of it. Like that is, I think the ultimate goal. <laughs> yeah. And I, I also do feel like, and we're, I mean, we're definitely going to get into this for sure, but like, you know, there are definitely flaws within the body, the, you know, quote unquote body positivity movement. 
And I think one of them is the assumption that kind of comes, or the, I guess the connotation that comes with the word positivity um, in that like, it, it sort of paints the picture that like everybody who's quote unquote body positive is 100% happy with the way they look all the time, which obviously is not true because I think, and I love what you said about your, your relationship with your body being very fluid, because I think you know, like most people's relationship to anything or anyone, you know, like there's fluidity in that. Yeah. And I, like, I know we're going to get into it more later, but positivity sets up this idea that, um, if you have a moment of weakness, if you don't feel great about yourself on a given day, that like you're failing yourself, you're failing others. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of become like a very individualistic thing where like, you have to essentially make yourself an icon or like, I don't know, like people are going to find me if I have a shitty day. And I'm, I'm like somehow going against what I've said about being positive about myself. I think it can almost trap you into a dangerous place and a dangerous standard that isn't always attainable. Absolutely. I love that. That's beautifully said. Yeah. And 100% not accurate. There's, yes. <laughs> there's like toxic positivity for a reason. Yes. Yeah. Um, well, we'll take a little bit of a detour um, because I think this often goes hand in hand. Um, and you've talked a lot about this publicly as well is um, your relationship to diet culture and if you want to walk us through your personal relationship or timeline with diet culture. Yeah, um, it has been a long ride. <laughs> um, starting when I was three years old, I was sent to a nutritionist and put on a weight loss plan as a toddler, essentially. Um, and it completely transformed my relationship with food from th from the age of like three until I actively stopped dieting at 22 I was on a diet mm. and it never worked <laughs> like there. I kept going back to this nutritionist who I've written into a play that I'm working on as the as the villain <laughs> because, and it, it never worked like you don't keep going back to something that harms you or that like isn't healing you so I spent pretty much like from toddlerhood through all through high school going to a specific nutritionist who was just like terrible um and other nutritionists at one point I was maybe like 15 and I was going to get hypnotized for weight loss mm. and I didn't go through with it I chickened out in the parking lot because it felt so wrong to me. Um, and, but the, the, the switch didn't really flip until like later in my college years when I had been out of the house and I wasn't really being monitored like with what I was eating because there's a lot of surveillance with dieting and fear of people seeing what you're eating and watching you eat. So, I pretty much like surveilled myself continuously through college, still tried to go to nutritionists, still tried multiple different diets. And then I finally just 
quit <laughs> senior year. I like had been doing keto. I know it's terrible. <laughs> it was disgusting. <laughs> but it's, like, it's kind of marketed as like a holy grail. Like I don't have to work out. I hate working out. My whole relationship to working out is fucked because it was only like for weight loss. And that's something I'm still not like healed from. Yeah. Um, but it really is pushed as like the diet for people that hate dieting mm. and it's just so restrictive. It's so exhausting. And what it, the, what's done to your brain by counting every macro that goes into your body is just like, I don't, I can't even describe it, but it's so robotic. Like it takes all of the joy out of food and also life because your life becomes about food. Yeah. Well, and I also think on that same note, it, it totally falls under the same category as calorie counting. Like people yeah. say that it's different are like full of shit. I'm sorry, <laughs> but like it's, it does that same thing. It's exactly what you're saying. It does the same thing to your brain where you're like, I have to be obsessive about the numbers. And then it creates this like horrible, I don't know. It's almost, it's almost like a compulsion. I feel like it, and it's, and then you kind of can't stop. And it's like, and that's what creates eating disorders. You know, it's like, (laughs) yeah. I mean, because even if you, if you say, say you're not dieting, but you're still counting calories because you think that calories are a, are a measure of health, that's, it's still wrong. Everything about dieting is a lie and non-existent and a result of a multi-billion dollar sector of the economy that isn't going anywhere. So it's on us, unfortunately, to become smarter than that system and to learn how to question it. Amen. Yeah. I mean, my, there's also like, I mean, besides mental health issues, there's also, I think physical where like issue and health complications that come from certain diets like my brother tried keto and had like this rash that built up on his body mm-hmm. and it, the only thing in his life that changed was his diet and him doing keto and his body like went into like shock mm. and not like well everyone always talks like well it has to go into ketosis and like well it shouldn't result in like a painful rash across his entire chest <laughs> no um it's that's bad (laughs) it's just bad it was developed for epileptic children and if there's like the thing that like with diet has become such a broad and also trivialized term like if you have a health condition that requires a specific diet that's not the same as diet culture so like we should like steer clear of that territory of being like you have xyz so you have to be on a diet what like that's that's it's like demi lovato going into a yogurt shop and being pissed that they had sugar-free ice cream and the shop is like some people are diabetic like yeah, yeah. We, we just talked about this that's so funny health problems and needing special yeah. accommodations to like the real monster which is capitalism but- yes Yes, true. That's it. <laughs> Done. Put it on a stamp and ship it. Ship it. 
So we keep going. Let's go. Yeah. Um, so this one is kind of interesting because I, I think it's nice to start again, get to know you more as a person. <laughs> um, is there an opinion that you had as like a child or, you know, an adolescent um, about weight, health or nutrition or all of the above that has changed as you've gotten older? I mean, and you kind of already touched on this, but you know. Yeah, I think that's something that is so hard to unlearn and to like begin to erase from like your psyche is the idea that fat people are just lazy and don't exercise and eat terribly and all of these things and this like moralization around fatness and that like it really informs everything that we think about ourselves and about what we think of the world around us. So continuing to like dismantle these opinions of fatness, because a lot of fat people are also, I would say everyone is fat phobic. Every single person has fat phobia, whether it's external or internal, mm -hmm. but a lot of fat people, myself included, because it's just so ingrained, have internalized fat phobia that makes us feel somehow either different from other fat people or like somehow more, I don't want to say woke, but like more in tune with how we're flawed. And so we're somehow morally better than other fat people that don't mm -hmm. think that there's a flaw with how, how they're behaving. And it just unnecessarily pits people against each other um in a way that's really toxic yeah yeah I mean I it wasn't I mean I still completely I completely agree like it is in every person and whether or not you think that you're above it you're not because it's just how everything in our culture is is consumed right um and I mean the whole reason that when I talk about in therapy or with friends about my, my struggles with eating in front of people, especially at work is because I'm like, Oh, I, I don't want to be seen as lazy. Like it all ties together. Mm -hmm. And I mean like that, even that mentality, it's, you know, obviously it's, it's inter it's um, ingrained in you, but like, I mean, it's, it's inherently fat phobic. Absolutely. And I do the same thing. I mean, I have my own things too. And, and Shelby, I totally have a similar relationship to exercise that I'm like desperately trying to heal <laughs> because it's so ingrained in me that like you exercise to lose weight. And now I no longer adhere to the idea that I'm supposed to lose weight. And so to me, like, I can't, it's really difficult for me to find any joy in exercise. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah, it's, and especially like, I don't know, like gym class growing up, like that was, why did they make us do that? Like huh. competing against each other in physical challenges, like that, I think that's possibly a big part of it. I was never like bullied heavily in gym class or in school or anything, but like there was always an awareness that I was different and that I was like less athletically inclined and to have to like 
put that on display several times a week at 8 a.m. was fucking terrible. Yeah, we actually had a, my family and I were together this weekend um, because we're all vaccinated. And it, we actually discussed like the presidential fitness exam because I, we were talking about how like in the United States specifically, they didn't want to have like an organized, like everyone trains together curriculum for physical fitness because it kind of looked like, you know, in, in the forties, it looked like how, you know, very military-esque and yeah. war and everything. They wanted to make everyone into sports and sports was going to be how they trained people in the U.S. for gym. And then all of a sudden you had to pass like a test, but they never train you on how to do push-ups and sit-ups and run the goddamn mile in front of your entire class, which is incredibly traumatizing because bodies are just inherently different. And some people are more athletic than others. And then again, you're also putting your whole body on display at the same time. And it's just, it's completely traumatic. And not to mention the fact that every child is being taught at home that fat people are evil. So it's like, you know, or not evil, but you know what I mean? That fat people are wrong. As hard as possible not to be that. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, yeah. A really formative memory for me was like getting notes sent home from the nurse's office saying that I was an obese kid. And it was like, what do you want? First of all, why is the school sending me mail about this? And second of <laughs> all, like, what more can I be doing? Like, it's just, it's very invasive and it kind of strips bodily autonomy away from kids at a really young age mm-hmm. and like eliminates this like sense of knowing yourself like I tell my therapist a lot that I feel like a floating head because I don't feel this connection between body and mind mm-hmm. I feel like my mind is at war with my body because it's been taught to be at war with my body like everything my body wants has always been wrong and it's been like a complete restructuring of all of the little neurons in my brain to teach myself that to teach it to be in sync with the body that it's like taking care of. Yeah. 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 Brilliant. <laughs> Couldn't say it better. Um, so we'll change gears a little bit to um, what I'm really excited for you and you specifically to talk about is what your relationship with body positivity and or the body positivity movement is. Yeah. Um, I feel like the idea of body positivity is a great like 101 course in a curriculum that is just so much bigger than just the idea of loving your own body because really there's a very deep history of body positivity that was founded predominantly by black disabled women starting in the 70s with like the second wave of feminism and it's deeply intertwined with disability rights and like more broadly it's considered fat liberation so now body positivity has been bastardized and whittled down to this idea that like every single human being should love themselves and love their body 
when in reality it's about being positive toward other bodies Mm. you should be positive toward a body that's 500 pounds whether you're attracted to it or not whether the the person is healthy or not whether they use mobility aids or not and that is what the current conversation around body positivity has completely erased so it feels it, it no longer serves me because I'm not a small fat, which is what quote mid-sized unquote people have decided to call themselves so that they can separate themselves from fat people and fat liberation. Mm. Um, so I've kind of broken up with body positivity and I'm a lot more focused on fat liberation and also like elevating the voices of um, like people of color within the movement and also people that are much larger even than myself. Yeah, I, I think it's it, it's it's so lovely to hear you talk about it because you're so eloquent about it and you say it exactly in words that I can never get it out. Cause I always say like, <laughs> I agree so completely that there are so many flaws in body positivity and it is so narrow-minded and it's so easy to just say, I it's, I don't want to say it's easy to say that you love yourself because it's not, it's not easy to, you know, accept yourself and love your body, but it's even harder to put those views on other people, whether or not you uh, want to agree with that or not. Like it's, it's so hard to look at a person so different than differently than you and say, they're a lot like you accept and you think their body is just as good as yours and is just as worthy of things as yours. Yeah. I love what you said about it being not about your own body, but about mm -hmm. how you view other people's bodies, because I think that that's really huge. And I mean, the optimist in me is like, you know, I, I wish that the body positive movement, um, like could be all encompassing in that way. Um, but I think, I think you have an extremely, valid point in saying that like, you know, it's, it's, it's been overtaken by people who it was not necessarily intended for. And there's zero acknowledgement um, mm -hmm. uh, towards those people who are, are fighting just to be seen as like people. And worthy of existence. Right. It, worthy of existence. Exactly. And it's, I don't even know if this is if I should go into it, but like <laughs> you see shows like thousand pound sisters and things like that, that are exploiting fat and disabled women for entertainment and allowing like their bodies to be removed from their humanness and talked about as like like water cooler chat like it's totally okay to just talk about these women in such a dehumanizing way or in, in a way that like disenfranchises their individuality and this is where the disconnect is like shows and this is an attack on those this isn't an attack on those women because i haven't watched the show but i just see on TikTok and on social media just everyone feels entitled to an opinion about their lives and um, their health and their bodies. And that's the opposite direction that we should be going in. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, and I, I think it, it, it also there, I mean, I also haven't watched the show, but I've seen, you know, clips from TikTok and everything. And it's, and it's always, you know, there it's painted in a, in a horrible stereotype of fat people as well of like, oh, it's, well, it's meant for comedic. And it's, um, you know, these are these people's lives and it's being put in a light that is awfully, yeah, dehumanizing and um, taking away like their own individuality and just putting a label on them. Right. Something I wrote about in my like senior thesis in college was how fat, like, let's look, it's a reality show, but like, let's look at them as characters. Fat characters that are centered as main characters are still given weight loss plot lines and are still mm. only, only like defined within circumstances that require them to lose weight. So like in that in that instance, I was talking about Mike and Molly and This Is Us. And so we have two shows where you're marketing this show as the protagonists are fat, but the first episodes, everybody's trying to get on a diet and lose weight. And so what, now their whole plot line for how many fucking seasons is just failing at weight loss? Is that all my life is? My life is just however many seasons of failing at weight loss and nothing else. And my partner is just however many seasons of failing at weight loss and nothing else. Like it's diminishes the nuance and intricacies of fat people's lives to just being like billboards for failed weight loss and before pictures. Like I'm just a walking before picture to people um and that's like smaller bodied people that want to feel good about themselves don't walk around living with the weight so to speak of being like everyone just wants me to lose weight mm. yeah but we can't go to the doctor without it being an issue i went to the doctor and I had like actually lost weight because not trying, like I didn't, I don't want to tell anybody it. Like I wasn't trying, I wasn't working out. I wasn't counting calories. Like I eat whatever I want, whenever I want with no restrictions. And that was just how my body responded. Mm -hmm. But doctors, when I said that the doctor was like, uh, uh, good job, keep it up, I guess. Like they wanted to congratulate me for it so badly but didn't know how to respond when I said this isn't an achievement mm -hmm. yeah well I mean the the healthcare industry is so backwards thinking on all of this and I think that I, I almost just feel like there's all of these like big corporate pieces of the puzzle that are working together to to perpetuate fat phobia you know yeah it's the thing about the diet industry is that it's smart. It has the best minds in business and sales and marketing working for it. So we, okay, Weight Watchers is now WW and they're all about wellness and ooh and ah and like repackaging it as, as Weight Watchers version of Goop, but it's still fucking Weight Watchers. Yeah. And I recently Googled intuitive eating. And the first thing that comes up is an ad for Noom with a list of all of the different like diet um, options, plans that they offer. 
that's not intuitive eating. People that are desperate to have some kind of peace with their body, their first, the first thing they see is a weight loss app. Yeah. So it's exploitative and it's, it gets in the minds of desperate people that just want to like themselves and just want to like not be at war with their bodies and prevents that from happening. And I, and I think it's really easy to, um, you know, everyone, and I'm sure everyone and their mother has had a bad experience with their body or someone saying something negative and some, or so having a bad experience with the doctor but it, 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 you, you can't say that that is the same experience of someone who is fat as experienced. It's not the same. And also, you know, at the end of the day, not to bring like clothing size into it, but like someone who's a size four is never going to understand what it's like to be someone who's plus size or, or in that spectrum itself is so skewed because I work for a company who thinks that, you know, it's body is inclusive to be a, to go up to a 26. Yeah. You know, the human spectrum goes 10 times past that. And it, just, it blows my mind that clothing companies don't want to make more money. The average American woman is a size 16, 18. That's a huge, that's hundreds of millions of women who's coin you could be getting and you don't want it like my money isn't good enough for you because I'm a size 22 like it like make it make sense it's all about (laughs) driving profits but then they're excluding the biggest demographic Mm -hmm. in the entire country it just doesn't add up the old like the old the common denominator is fat phobia and not knowing how to or wanting to learn how to dress fat bodies. Yes. Yeah. Fuck yes to that. I mean, I, well, I feel like we, we talk about this a lot and I think constantly are bumping up to this issue in the bridal industry all the time, because it's like, if people want to get married, they're going to get married and they're going to wear something to their wedding. You know, like it's, I cannot believe that this industry that is so huge is like not, not catering to what, you know, just what you were saying, this, like the majority of people really, and like, and it's being posed as though like constantly higher ups in, you know, the company that we work for are talking about how like, well, maybe it's not doing well because there aren't enough people buying this product. And it's like, well, there aren't enough people buying this product because a you're putting half your resource, not even half your resources into marketing for it, first of all. And you're, you're kind of painting this picture that it's accessible. Well, and it's also that like, it's this like weird backwards mentality that, and it, it, again, it perpetuates fat phobia, but it's like, you can only look beautiful in a wedding dress if you're, you know, size 14 or smaller. Yeah. Bullshit. But it's because designers refuse to design for people in larger bodies. Yeah. And I don't think, I don't think it's always 
insidious fat phobia that's causing it. I don't think everybody's in like in meeting rooms and corporations like oh, fuck these fat people. Like, they can go to hell. It's I think it's like fear and and just complete like paralysis of like we don't know how to make like do we make do we take a small shirt and just change the the numbers and make it bigger like or do we have to completely reconsider fit and a lot of companies like smaller companies don't have the resources for that which i understand it's not an excuse but it is like i do understand um but the direction things are going like it given how public discourse is around body positivity there's like a false sense of change that isn't actually there mm -hmm. you know like i can't go shopping that's not something i can do and i'm also a size 11 shoe so like i can barely find shoes when i go out like i can also just can't find clothes and I don't know if we talk about the company that you work for on this podcast or like name them. I'm okay with not naming them, but like they rolled out a massive plus size line and I can't shop for it in stores. I have to buy everything online, which, which compounds the accessibility factor of like, okay, now fat people always have to pay for shipping. Yeah. Yeah. Bankrolling these companies paying for shipping because I can't walk to the freaking store and get it clothes to wear. Yeah. Well, and, and I mean, you're not wrong because the fact of the matter is that it's not in the fucking stores. Right. And, and it's, it's not in the stores. And I like, and also, I don't know. I had it. I, it's just like, it's like it's just out of reach, you know, like, yes like you made this thing and they've actually improved on it significantly and expanded their offering significantly but like the accessibility factor is like i just i can't quite reach it because it's i it's not like physically available to me and that the thing that's i mean extra frustrating is like they might have done that on one end but i know for a fact they're pulling collections from stores right so the ones that even the places you could potentially shop at it are becoming even fewer so it's becoming that much well, harder but the fact of the matter is don't fucking advertise a plus size <laughs> line and then not put it in every single one of your stores that is bad marketing <laughs> and even you know what even if they like carry a limited quantity in store but they'll order it for me for free because i walk my ass to the store and that's what stores do i would i would settle for that yeah you even have that there's not even the settling and and i think there and i remember you talking about this when this collection first launches that there was a huge like size discrepancy and because for for a fact this company does pattern grading which is exactly what you said it's okay well we'll take the same we'll just keep adding to the proportions we'll just keep adding to the number rather than actually thinking about the body that it's going to be on right um which is a cheaper option because it involves less work um but it ultimately caused an excess amount of fit issues the um proportions don't always work that way because just because 
you are gaining, um, you're adding a, a measure like more inches to one measurement doesn't mean you're also adding it to another like some it just because you become wider doesn't mean you become taller like that's not how that works yeah this isn't like a a very like rudimentary video game where you just like move the slider and I'm still an hourglass shape just like wider like that isn't this is how brands think that bodies work and it's like I'm sorry but no matter how hard you move the slider I am never gonna look like just a bigger version of like Anya Taylor-Joy I don't know like a skinny <laughs> person like that's just not how it works and this is also an issue of like the bodies that are front and center for plus size collections like ashley what's fuck why am i forgetting what ashley graham ashley graham is fuckable fat this is what like a a term i have coined for like the palatable plus size body that that like people would like to it's like the ideal plus size body that someone looks at that is like I'm getting representation, yay, but it's really just that like, okay, men aren't gonna riot in the streets if they have to look at her tits. Like, she's she's okay. Right. Um, fuckable fat, I love, I love that too. And yeah, we're being marketed fuckable fat people that aren't actually going to be like, have my lived experience. Ashley Graham does not have my lived experience by any means. Yeah, and she actually, she talks a little bit about that in the book that she wrote too, which I am the worst and I never finish any book that I start because I have no follow through, but I read about half of it. (laughs) And one of the things that she talks about in her book is exactly what you're talking about, where it's like, she's always had a flat stomach and she's, you know, like she's always looked pretty much the way that she looks and like, and she is very aware of the fact that she is marketable and, and she's as successful as she is because of that. And because the, the world, you know, can accept that as plus size. Mm -hmm. She's a palatable. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I'm glad that she acknowledges that. I haven't read her book. I don't really read a lot of memoirs, actually. I don't really, yeah, I like, I really wish that I were better at reading. (laughs) I'm not a bad reader. I loved reading as a kid. We're so tangent. (laughs) (laughs) I would just like rather watch Shit's Creek for the 1,000th time. Correct. Uh, My kids read Uh your book. That feels like such a betrayal to like my childhood self that is like, I'm a smart person. I like to read books, but in reality, it's like brain, no thoughts, head empty, just <laughs> shit's creek. Like, let me just yeah. like exist. Yes. Well, like, exactly. And um, all that to bring it back around. <laughs> Thanks for <laughs> keep us on track. Is that, you know, there's, there's not, even the representation that exists is not accurate to what most people are still experiencing because yeah, a plus size model is when you see them on a runway, it's not so like, oh my goodness, I've never seen someone who's looked like in clothes like that before, you know? Yeah. And it kind of like brings me to the point of like, a lot of times when we get one authentic, what we see as an authentic role model, we then hold them to this unrealistic standard. So like, I have a tattoo of Lizzo. I don't regret it. I still love her. 
but there's also a huge impetus for me to be like to humanize her as a black woman that's in the public eye and that has become like this icon of the body positivity movement like it's not fair to, for me to hold her to a standard that I like wouldn't hold myself as a privileged white woman to mm. and like what so when she came out a couple months ago as having done like a detox or a cleanse with this dietitian, everybody publicly turned on her and at first I was like my heart's broken this is like someone I have I've like worshipped or looked up to so much and then I was like no I have to stop I'm looking up to an idea of this person that I created in my head that is mm -hmm. not in line with her real life her her upbringing all of these things about her that are so different from who I am and to to like jump down her throat for participating in diet culture the second that like in our eyes she slipped is part of the problem like I had I think I posted this like on my Instagram story when that whole thing was happening but like if every time my like relationship with my body was put under a microscope in front of hundreds of millions of people like I like trigger warning I would kill myself like that intense level of expectation to put on a human being is insane yeah. um and, she's and that's also, you know a victim of diet culture just like all of us like it's it's insane to believe that she is to your point, like this expectation that she is above it, that she has never experienced it. Yeah. And it's hard to not tie my own success in with like, I don't want like success isn't the right word to tie like my own, I don't know, relationship with my body in with hers as, as if they're, we're like on these parallel paths to enlightenment. I think that's something that I've kind of done inadvertently is being like, okay, she, she can't lose weight. And because if she loses weight, then that means that I have to lose weight. And that's somehow like symbolic of what I need to do to myself. It's like, deranged but that's how little representation we have and I'm not saying it's okay for me to feel it that way because of this like scarcity it, quite the opposite but it just fucks with your head so much to have so like all of your hopes and dreams riding on like one icon yeah and that, that's like what the industries have given us well, and that's kind of dehumanizing in its own way too. You know, it's like, oh, you're no longer a person who like experiences things. And I'm sure since she's, since she's gained all of this fame and success, like I'm sure she's experiencing it tenfold, you yeah. know, where it's like, it, it's so, it, I mean, it's exactly what you were just saying. It's like, it's so difficult to to put her on this pedestal Chrissy and I talked about this a while back on another episode kind of about um Adele uh and Rebel Wilson as well because I think they were also sort of 
you know, quote unquote, body positivity icons that then lost all this weight. And I think a lot of people felt some type of way about it because they were like, wait a minute, where's our icon? Yeah. <laughs> and, and it's really hard because, you know, like you don't know what their day to day looks like. You don't know what their manager is telling them. You don't know, like, you know, it's, it's the same thing where it's like, we don't know what doctors are saying to each other when you go into the doctor, because that's a very personal experience, right? It's like, and it's, it's hard. These people become larger than life to us. So we can pick and choose what parts of them we, we want to apply to ourselves. And I like, it's still hard. Like the rebel Wilson weight loss is, has been difficult to watch for me. Not like I didn't idolize her, but it was kind of like, okay, like she's in my corner. Like mm-hmm. we're, we're like kind of equals in this. I don't know. Like it, it felt like there was some solidarity there. And then like, boom, she loses all this weight. And then like Ashley Nell Tipton, the designer that was like the first plus size designer on Project Runway got gastric bypass. And it's like, it's toxic for me to be watching these women that I look up to and scrutinizing their choices about their bodies based on what I need from them. Mm. Like, I, like I need that representation to feel good about myself. So when they decide to make a change that's somehow not aligned with, with what I want for myself, like then it's like a personal pain for me. And that's just, it's really not a great, place to be and it's not a great expectation to put on these people that are like actual humans but the like this is kind of the natural result of having such little representation yeah so- yeah I mean it, it's it's a it's a multifaceted issue it's like well I we shouldn't you know put all these expectations on people who are also flawed people and you know have their own experiences when there is no representation and we as human crave likeness we crave people and of that experience life similarly to us it's like a huge part of like at least my my experience personally like i the people who go through life um living a similar life to me is comfortable it's validating it's validating you want to be able to relate to people and when you like it's the it's the importance of having like I don't really have fat friends that I can talk about this stuff with that I can go to at the end of the day and be like oh like this was so frustrating for me like I don't have that and the at with the absence of that comes the unnatural like attraction to these celebrities that are like filling that that void for you it's it's like a really fine line to like look at someone as representation and not also feel like like this is my my surrogate fat friend that I don't have in real life yeah yeah well and and you know I I love what you said earlier too about I mean (laughs) I I love that you said it (laughs) I I think that you're right and that we do really have to it's kind of like a choose your own adventure like you you have to unlearn all these things on your own and you have to choose to do that um and it's I think it's unfair of us to expect that everyone else 
or that other people who are in larger bodies have have also gone on that journey and like I, I've said this before too like I when I first when I first started trying to uh, move away from diet culture specifically, like one of the things that I did was I unfollowed all of the fucking models that I was following on Instagram. And I was like, okay, I'm gonna, yeah, right. That's the first step. <laughs> Everybody go home and do that. Um, but like, that's, I think that um, what I said to myself was I'm gonna, I'm gonna look for people on social media that look like me. Because again, I think to Chrissy's point, like I was craving um, a like experience to me. And it actually took me a really long time to then also start seeking out people that were larger than me. Um, and, and like, I think that I'm, you know, comfortable enough to say that like that was, that was just part of my journey. Like that was a flawed part of my, my thinking for a really long time. And I, you know, then got to a point, and this isn't to say like, oh, Sierra, you're so great. But you know, like <laughs> I got to a point where I was like, no, I need to be appreciating people that are larger than me too, because that's part of this. I, I want to appreciate beauty at every size, not just at my size and smaller. Exactly. I think, and that's so hard because I think the first, the first impetus is to be like, complete like craving someone who looks like me someone who looks like me like this like form that you can kind of project yourself on that makes it easier to like yourself but going beyond that is really difficult I think like you saying that it just taps into like the root of the issue with the whole body positivity movement that we've like kind of cracked open yeah it, it, it's kind of what you were saying about fashion industry. I feel like the people who are like considering themselves body positive, it's like they, they're, they're just go a little bit farther in your thinking, you know, you've gotten to this point. Let's, let's keep inching forward. We're so close. Yeah. It's, it's so, you know, it's amazing that you've accepted yourself, but why don't you accept people who are, who are bigger than you or yeah. who are less, uh, who are disabled and you are not like, or that don't have flat tummies or that like, have cellulite or, you know, like anything, anything that is deemed as like unattractive or undesirable. It's like, well, that, that has been deemed that way because one person decided that was true so that they could force diet culture down somebody's throat. And now we all think we believe that. And it's like, well, if we just chose to believe something else, yeah. like, yeah, I, it's the easy well, answer to say that you like yourself. And I know that's really rude to say because it's no, not it's easy. Not. It's true. But it's easy to, you know, accept yourself in your body. But it's it, you have to make the choice that, well, not even the choice, the decision that like all bodies are worthy of respect and health and, you know, body autonomy and all of these things. Like your opinions on what someone's, what health looks like is irrelevant to what how people should be treated. All of that encompasses like what true fat liberation, body acceptance, body positivity, whatever you identify with is. Yeah, I'm I pulled out my phone because I want to plug a book that came out. It came out in 2019, but I just like saw 
a lot of people talking about it in the last year, especially with like discussions about the intersection of fatness and race, and especially in response to all of the protests last summer. And the book is called Fearing the Black Body, The Racial Origins of Fat Phobia. Mm -hmm. And why can't, oh, by Sabrina Strings. I looked her up, she's, I don't think she's on Instagram, but a lot of people that I follow have been plugging that book and just talking about like how imp impactful it's been to the discussion of like, quote, body positivity, unquote, but also how like, anti-fatness its origin is rooted in anti-blackness and a lot of the the aspects of fat bodies that are most policed and that are most um systemically impacted are features that were first attributed like historically to black bodies um and that's like just a really crucial part of the movement that can't be ignored. Yes, I completely agree with you a thousand percent. I mean, I'm like, say it again for the people in the back, right? <laughs> like, I, yes. And, you know, I think we were kind of talking about this earlier. It's like, I, I do really feel that these movements go very hand in hand for exactly the reason that you just addressed, but also it's like the, it's the same type of othering you know, that happens. It's like, this person looks different from me. And so I'm, I'm going to assume things about them. Yeah. And if we think that like anti-fatness and anti-blackness don't work hand in hand to impact like, um, like the maternal mortality rate amongst black women, like that's wrong. Like, of course they go hand in hand, like to be a black woman at the doctor is to be in danger, but to be a fat black woman at the doctor is to be like even more ignored and even more in danger. Mm -hmm. um, and that's what like a size six white woman posting her skin rolls on Instagram isn't achieving liberation for. Yeah, yeah, I think yeah. that's so well said. I kind of, sorry, I, I just, before we, cause I know we can go on this train forever and ever, but I, I did sort of, uh, think of another question for you. <laughs> um, I wonder if in your opinion, like, is there hope, I guess I will say quote unquote, for the body positivity movement? And if so, like, what would that look like to you? I think there is hope. I don't, I don't feel hopeless, but that's just because I've shifted the lens through which I see the body positivity movement. Like I'm looking at it through, I, I say this like metaphorically, through the eyes of like trans fat people and and like black fat people and like I, just people that aren't in the mainstream that need the representation more than I do. Mm. Like I'm gonna be okay, but who's, whose existence is like up for debate, you know? And, and that's where, that's the direction that the body positivity movement needs to move in. Like you need to be positive about a 500 pound black woman. Like you need to raise that person up and, and 
care about their well-being and and see them as an equal to yourself and it's about looking at someone who's like so radically different from your own experience and it's 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 the same the same as like dismantling internalized racism and internalized homophobia like it's all of these things that are intertwined through fatness like all of the rivers cross and that's the only way that we can make big strides and also like paying attention to disability legislation like that's something i can honestly say that i'm not doing enough to be aware of and to participate in mm. um but that is like the root of where this movement came from like knowing the history knowing where things intersect now and looking at it from a political lens and people and i think the people that want to benefit from body positivity don't want to be political hate politics why does everything have to be political because it is yeah. bodies are political yeah for for i would say for like most americans that aren't like cis white men and cis white women aside from like abortion like having a body is a political thing yeah. not by your own choice but because it's been forced upon you mm. yeah yes yeah. I, yeah go ahead well and I, and I and i think it's it's important for for people if you want to be better in whatever that means to you you have to speak up and educate yourself and learn because unfortunately once again with with marginalized groups of people their voice is so much smaller on a grand scale and so we talk about this a lot where the reason why like I struggled a lot when we started this podcast because I was like well who am I I'm a, I'm a white privileged woman in a smaller body um that like so what what why is it even worth me speaking is that I want to be better and I want to continue to learn and I, I like to hope and think that other people do as well and if people of all hopefully, and this is obviously wishful thinking, but if people of all different sizes learn and try to speak up and educate themselves and pay attention to these legislations and things, then hopefully the real systemic change can start happening. But once again, that's very wishful thinking. Yeah. Well, and I, I kind of also have like a follow-up, I guess, more topic <laughs> to bring up um, in this same vein, because, you know, you, you sort of brought up like the just to quote you, the size six woman who's, you know, posting about her roles on Insta or her, her skin roles on Instagram. Because, you know, like Christy and I have definitely talked about our sensitivity to that as well. Like, is there a way for us to talk about our insecurities within the body positive movement that doesn't take away from uh, like the real, maybe not necessarily even within the body positive movement, but is there a way to talk about our insecurities? And I will already say it should not be publicly friends <laughs> should not be on your Instagram friends. Um, but you know, is there a way for us to have conversations about this while still being sensitive to the fact that we are not experiencing prejudice on the same level as people in larger bodies or, you know, like fat black women or people who are, who are really experiencing prejudice to the highest degree. Yeah. I mean, I'm, 
by no means an expert. Like I want to make, I, I love this topic. Like if I could talk about it every day of my life, I could, but like <laughs> there are, this is just I'm not the be all end all. Yeah. No, but um, I, I love what you have to say. So I'm interested. <laughs> I think not conflating insecurity with systemic oppression is like the most important thing. And this is something that, Oh man, I posted a TikTok a few months ago that I deleted criticizing this whole fucking midsize movement that's taken over because words, the word for midsize exists in the fat liberation space. And it's ignorance of small fat, that's the term, small fat women to the, the fat positive space that has created this like mid-size monstrosity that further divides the movement and divides like, and further classifies bodies when I personally don't think bodies should be classified more. So what I'm getting at here is that like, I had made a TikTok saying like, like this is just smaller fat women trying to distance themselves from the term fat or the term plus size. And people were absolutely furious. And this one woman said, well, I can't shop at Torrid. And I was like, do you, you want to shop at Torrid? Like, <laughs> this is oppressive to you that you can't shop at Torrid? Here, let me send you a couple of screenshots from Torrid to show you what you're missing. It's Harry Potter fucking onesies. It, it's like, if Hot Topic and Dress Barn had a baby, like that's what you're missing. And this is the idea that somehow like small fat or like size 10, 12-ish white women are oppressed because like there are resources for plus size women that don't, there isn't an equivalent for it for like straight size women and it's like no you don't understand we didn't choose this we did not choose to be separated out mm -hmm. and given torrid as a gift like that looks like a gift to you no so this is where the like really infuriating part is is that they a lot of straight size people see plus size as like us being given a gift mm -hmm. and it's not a gift it's not a gift that I can't go to the fucking mall and shop anywhere even if stores carry American Eagle has plus sizes but not in store I have to shop online like the plus size demographic is relegated to a lesser experience so that's kind of like a watered down version but I guess just like the acknowledgement that that like your self-esteem and your insecurities and how you experience them. And even like having been bullied for your appearance does not equate to systemic biases. Yeah. It does not equate to like plus size pregnant women being treated worse by the healthcare system and being told like that their baby is going to be less healthy and being forced to be considered high risk even if they're not like mm -hmm. it's just a totally different experience yeah i love that you're talking about this because yeah. i think i mean well i think 
factually on this podcast, Chrissy and I have like, we've spoken about the word midsize. Yeah. We've both kind of adopted that term um, and we use it a lot, but I love that you're challenging that yes. because I, I, I agree I with you. And I think in my initial thinking about using that word for myself to, you know, to identify myself was that because I am, I do not experience prejudice or systemic oppression because of my size or my appearance, I felt that using like not, I don't even want to say like using the word fat, because I, I feel like that's a whole other conversation that we could have. And that, you know, the, the reclamation of that word is nuanced and has its own stuff. But I, you know, like, I think not so much for me anyway, and I'm just going to speak for myself. It was not so much out of fear of using the word fat, but more wanting to respect people who identify with that word, especially because they are people that experience oppression. And I, but I do agree with you that I think it completely further separates bodies in a way that, that probably shouldn't be happening and sort of, uh, um, adds more to the, the othering that's yeah. already going on. Yeah. And I don't mean to say like everyone that considers themselves midsize is like, insidiously doing it you know to separate themselves yeah. but I, it's 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 like the horse is out of the barn <laughs> the, yeah. the term has been created and it's been proliferated and pe people are like oh this this is right like I'm maybe I'm not plus size maybe I'm like teetering on the edge I'm like a larger size 14 like I don't feel welcome in that community and you know that's a whole other issue and it's, I can say like, as a, I guess, larger fat person, like it's hard to not want to police the community because like you want to set boundaries, mm -hmm. um, but it's something that we have to like be aware of and, and like no one should feel unwelcome in the space if they're, if they want, truly want to better themselves and want to be like either an active participant or an ally in improving the world or the, the yeah. experiences of larger bodied people. Well, and I love, I love um, the term that you used small fat, because I think that that's an excellent way to describe a body, first of all. Um, and it's, it, I love that it does it in a way that's not shying away from the word fat because that's what we're trying to, to avoid. Um, and I think that that is an excellent replacement term for midsize. And there's, there's multiple, it, there, correct me if I'm wrong, but I, I think I've seen that there's multiple levels like mid fat, small fat. Yeah. Let me, let's pull it up. It's there's this small fat is probably like sizes 14, 16, 18. And then hold on. Like, I want to get this right. Yeah. Um, the fatness spectrum. Okay. Small fat is one X to two X size 18 and lower mid fat is two X to three X 20 to 24. Like that's what I would be considered. Super fat is four X to five X infinite fat is six X and higher. So that like this terminology exists 
it has existed for a long time. It's just that like the the body positive topic has like been unleashed from from that side of of the internet, I guess, mm -hmm. and co-opted. Yeah. It's been avoided clearly with, you know, for a reason because people didn't want to adhere to it, but it's important that it's talked about. And well, it, it is adhered to. And it's because people don't want to use the word fat to describe themselves yeah. because they are fat phobic. I mean, that's, yeah. that's what it fucking is. Yeah. Um, and, but I love that. And I like, and I, again, I, I think that, you know, I feel like, <laughs> you know, just to sort of recap, I think my head was in the right place and my heart was in the right place, but I yeah. also, I totally acknowledge and understand that like that actually makes a lot of sense that you know we're we're separating from this word fat because we're afraid to use it when you know like that's the whole point and and the whole reclamation of that word which we've talked about before is in place because we want to change the connotation yeah and it's i mean it's it's like with any kind of marginalized group where you're not sure where you fit in like like if the word queer it's like oh geez do like do I have to identify as a specific thing or like it kind of it, it kind of applies to a lot of different spaces where like maybe you're not sure yet where you fit in and there's some gatekeeping around like who you who's allowed to be present who's allowed to be there mm -hmm. that can cause this like fear that like prevents you from from like wanting to explore more like i think that's a valid criticism of the movement but i don't want to say that like say that's an excuse for like it to be co-opted if that makes sense absolutely definitely oh shelby my god i just <sighs> hope i learned so much <laughs> yay that makes like literally if this is all i achieve in my life then that's i will have done what made me happy that's so. how we feel yeah <laughs> that's how we feel i just too. i respect the shit out of you and i literally owe you my life so it's, it's which I know is like crazy to say but it's true like I just am so glad that you were available and willing to talk about this because I mean not only from your own platform but you share other people's platforms as well so it, you just taught me so much and you continue to teach me so much and I you should have your own podcast and talk about it um yeah, well um, but thank you so much for coming and, and speaking and before we close off though, I, yeah. I do want to ask, oh shit, we have to ask the question that we always ask. Oh, yeah, our, fi our final question. <laughs> yes. So what are we, I every episode with this, what are three things that you love about your body? Okay. Um, let's see. I love that it's soft and that like it's just like inherently cuddly yes I love it. <laughs> like like my cats love it <laughs> someday some like another human will love it if i can yes. <laughs> um i i love that it. it's flexible i danced for 12 years and that's like 
it's interesting. I'm not going to go on a huge tangent, but that was something that I separated from weight loss. And that was like really joyful movement for me that I want to reclaim Mm -hmm. so badly. And I was like ready to take tap classes right before the pandemic hit. So I like want to get back into that. And I like that. I like that it it's like healthy and it takes me from place to place and it heals itself to the best of its ability and has like never let me down too badly. That's gorgeous. I love it. Love it. Probably the best way to end our last guest of our first season. I know. Oh my gosh, I'm the finale. Wow. It's really, it's been a, a true pleasure yeah. getting to talk to you about this. And cause you know, I know we haven't really gotten to talk about this together before. So I just, I'm so grateful that you wanted to come and share your thoughts. And, you know, again, like I said, I feel like I've learned a lot this evening. So thank hey. you. Well, I would love to come back anytime. Oh, yes. We're going to have, we're going to have a Shelby round too. I think we have to. Yay. Okay. Uh, but yes, Amazing. and thank you to everybody listening as well. We love you. Keep it up. And yeah, I think that's all. That's it. Remember, all shades of gray are beautiful. Bye. Bye.